the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, happy Labor Day. What the hell is Labor Day? I don't know, but it's a wonderful tradition. Uh, nothing, nothing is getting done. Uh, all the cable TV shows, they're all running reruns today. How do you run reruns when you're on a 24-7 news network? Uh, MSNBC reruns all day long, reruns of the news. Watch this interview from uh, May 2021. I don't, uh, I don't quite get that. Uh, what is Labor Day? Uh, most people don't know, and they're doing that thing. There's a big piece. Actually, like, basically, for whatever reason, everybody decided to do the story, how people don't know what Labor Day is, uh, myself included. I mean, I vaguely had some idea, and I knew, uh, well, whatever. I mean, I knew it goes back over 100 years, and the labor movement wanted it, and that's pretty much all there is to it. <laughs> the labor movement wanted it, and slowly but surely it was adopted by different states, uh, why do they want it to acknowledge the uh, uh, productivity and contributions of the American working man and now the American working woman and whatever? I will take it. Um, but, you know, America, when it comes to holidays, uh, I, was, I was with some foreigners this weekend, uh, including my wife, who was born in Australia. And she's like, well, what is it with this country? You're always taking days off. And she loves America. Don't get me wrong. She's been here for over 25 years. But she did point out that. Uh, it's different. I mean, they're just like, what do we have? Okay, we got Labor Day. We had uh, Fourth of July. We had Memorial Day. That's three major holidays. Um, try getting something done during the week during one of those uh, 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 three-day weekends. I mean, everybody kind of just checks out. What's uh, down the horizon? Uh, Columbus Day, although that's unfortunately been more or less canceled. Thanksgiving is wonderful. Christmas and so on and so on. You know, uh, Martin Luther King Day in January, President's Day in February, March, not really, uh, April, can't think of it, Memorial Day. Oh, and Juneteenth. Talk about a holiday that nobody knows what the hell it's all about. <laughs> Juneteenth. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. Um, I saw Joe Biden uh, this morning. He really wants to convey that he's working. He took off the entire summer. But on this day, Labor Day, just watch him go. Watch him go. Walk around uh, with a microphone on stage. And uh, they gave him a couple of one-liners, although he kind of bungled it. Is he going to try to tell us that Donald Trump can't build anything? Yeah, he's actually trying that. The, uh, <laughs> the heights that these guys will go, or the lows. Let me see here. Can we hear that Joe Biden uh, all pepped up on uh, whatever they put him on at the rally this morning? We also passed the bipartisan infrastructure law. You can't have the strongest economy in the world with a second-rate infrastructure. Now that was one hell of a, but that was a nice touch, wasn't it? A sneeze and a cough right in the middle of boasting about what a great economy we have. Has he been to the grocery store lately? No. No, no. People do that for him. People, people do that for him. He has people who has people who has people who do that for him. No clue whatsoever. Career politician cut off from us slobs for so many decades, and he actually thinks he's better than us. All right, keep going. I want to get to the, the really absurd part. And then we fell to number 13 in the world, roads, bridges, entered the whole deal. 13, the United States of America, 13th in the world. But guess what? Guess what? The great real estate builder, the last guy here, he didn't build a damn thing. 
Stop. How's that? How's that for unifying the country? A, uh, you know, one of the reasons why infrastructure, infrastructure, we do have crumbling infrastructure. It's been crumbling for decades and decades and decades. Um, it's a really good question, actually. You compare our airports to the rest of the world's airports. Have you ever been to Hong Kong? You, you fly all the way to China. You want to stay at the airport. It is like Disneyland times 10 and it's not woke. It's just this beautiful place. You could, you could, uh, you could honeymoon at the airport. Uh, I know they, they kind of gave a paint job to LaGuardia Airport, but it's all still pretty crummy. Um, whatever. We like our freedom. If only they did not try to disrupt every step of the way Donald Trump's presidency, a man who actually understands how to build things, how to negotiate things. What does Joe Biden know how to do? Uh, the big smile, the handshake. And hand out contracts to everybody. You know, you gotta take care of your political allies. You gotta take care of the people who endorsed you. When you're building a building, I mean literally building a building, you wanna get the best quality for the lowest price. Man, that's something we really can use. World class talent. Uh, I miss him, but he's coming back. I just, you know, actually, you want, should I play this rap song? Alright, I don't know who these guys are. They are, um, one's, I don't know anything about them, but they, they rap pretty well. And they are driving around in a white Rolls Royce. Uh, they're all tatted up. One appears to be black. The other appears to be Hispanic. And they love Trump. And in the midst of this rap song, there are some truth bombs that are just, woo, this is powerful. I feel like there's something seismic happening there, right? You can watch the fake news. They're always appalled by him. But the people, the people get it. More and more people get it. People who... Normally don't pay any attention to this stuff. It's just, it's, it's striking them. It's, it's bothering them. Their sense of fairness, their sense of justice. They're, it's just, it's starting to really, really, their people are waking up, including these two guys, my favorite new rappers, whatever their names. You ready? Let's go. I want to go to LA. Well. Shut up, Patriot J. No, 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 no. Not that one. That's a great one, though. But there's another one. Latinos for Trump. Did you guys bleep out all the bad words? Did you bleep out all the bad words yet? Let me know. Um, anyway, uh, take a look at it. Uh, yeah, wherever it is, you got the, uh, the Latinos for Trump, the brand new rap that everyone's talking about. Hit it. Joe Biden, man, I'm voting for Trump. Joe Biden, yeah, I'm voting for Trump. Joe Biden, yeah, I'm voting for Trump. Voting for Trump, the whole hood's for Trump. Joe Biden, yeah, I'm voting for Trump. Blacks for Trump, Latinos for Trump. United we stand, and we standing with Trump. Dear white people, will you take our vote? Why the Democrats always try to steal our hope? I'd rather have a president with a mugshot than the president pedophile that we got. I'm sorry, Trump, I ain't vote for you last time. They was hating on you spreading lies last time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Vote for you even in a cell. All right, all right, all right. I, they're getting up to the part where we had to bleep everything out. FJB, there's a lot of that. F, uh, F Joe Biden. Uh, look, I'm sorry. That's the way people talk, and I can't necessarily vouch for everything in that song. They talk very, very fast, but some of it's not bad. Let's see. I'd rather have a president with a mugshot than the president pedophile that we got. Ooh, ouch. Now, I'm sorry. That's not the nicest thing in the world. Where would they have gotten the idea that Joe Biden... Is inappropriate with children. Now, we're not saying he's a pedophile, but we are saying that, well, you just look it up. There's hours and hours and hours of footage of uh, Joe Biden touching uh, children inappropriately. He has no business hanging around kids like that. Sorry, but it's true. I mean, you can be affectionate with your own kids to a point. I mean, it's just gross what he's doing. And, well, I don't like to talk about people's diaries, but uh, a certain family member wrote about Joe and the shower and all kinds of stuff going down. Let's see here. Back to the rap. I'm sorry, Trump. I didn't vote for you last time. They was hating on you, spreading lies all the time. Made me relate when they hit you with the Rico. Now the whole hood screaming free Trumpito. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, Trump is accused of being racist, but I don't see the evidence. Somehow they make evidence in racist rhyme. Uh, the song has generated hundreds of comments on Twitter, X. Actually, make that thousands upon thousands upon thousands, and um, something big is happening. There's something seismic. You can't, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you know you just can't fool everybody. And I'm very optimistic. Are you now? However, optimistic about uh, who's going to be in the White House come January of 2025. Uh, in the meantime, this um, migrant situation is getting really, really scary. Let's see here. Migrant arrested six times for 14 crimes in first two months in New York City. New York Post. He is the wanted, he is the wanted poster boy for the migrant crisis. A man who arrived in New York City two months ago from Venezuela has randomly attacked at least three strangers and two cops and gotten arrested and released six times on 14 different charges, police and sources said. Daniel Hernandez Martinez, 29, arrived on June 27th and allegedly committed his first crime the following day. He's been wreaking havoc, a cop with more than 20 years on the job said. This is not an isolated incident. These migrants are getting arrested quite often here, and we really don't know who they are. They really don't have ID. They're not being vetted properly, but some of them are committing some of the most violent crimes here. And I got a picture of uh, Daniel... Hernandez Martinez, 29 years old. Um, welcome to America. Please leave. Uh, Martinez's alleged crime spree started at Costco, uh, 976 3rd Avenue in Brooklyn. Martinez stole a jar of Nutella, slippers, sneakers, hats, Gillette razor blades, and Dove body wash. How did he get the Gillette laser, razor blades? you got to ask for that to be open. He was charged with petty larceny and released on his own recognizance. Okay, but it gets worse. On July 6th, he allegedly hit a Dwayne Reed in Columbus Circle, Manhattan, this time stealing a tool kit. The next day, he escalated from shoplifting to assault. A security guard at Dwayne Reed on West 35th Street, Manhattan, tried to stop him from pilfering a bag of chips and toothpaste. He pulled out a large knife and advanced toward an undercover officer while yelling unintelligibly, court documents show. Now, how about this one? Martinez was charged with menacing this time, but again released on his own recognizance 
because the charge was not bail eligible. Now, if you're Kathy Hochul and you're sitting around doing whatever the hell she's doing upstate uh, on some big stupid lake, right, looking at herself in the mirror, a little compact mirror, taking it out and taking pictures for the, the governor's website, how are you not going to war on this right now? What the hell good is power if you won't use it for the good of the people? You say you're public servants. This is, imagine that, huh? <laughs> he, he busted somebody's face, took out a big knife, and he's let out of jail. This is, how do we do this? What do we do? What the hell is her phone number? I'm serious. I'll be right back with Governor Kathy Hochul's phone number. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Joe Biden, man, I'm voting for Trump. Joe Biden, yeah, I'm voting for Trump. Joe Biden, yeah, I'm voting for Trump. Voting, voting for Trump, the whole hood's for Trump. The whole hood's for Trump. All right. Now, they are appalled, appalled by this. I see uh, Joy Reid. You ever see that horrible person on MSNBC? Uh, she says somehow this is uh, the idea that Trump's arrests, and there have been, what, four of them, uh, somehow appeals maybe a little bit, maybe just a little bit in the hood, maybe. Uh, well, let's think about it. All right. Now, forget about what you're supposed to say and what you're not supposed to say, okay? You're never supposed to acknowledge uh, these kinds of things, especially if you're like me, a white person. But, um, you know, I really don't care. Uh, I have my eyes. I have my brain. And uh, I can see, well, if you look at the numbers, uh, African-Americans, I've been hearing for the past three years, are disproportionately affected or I think the word is actually touched by law enforcement, right? Disproportionately so. Um, you can look that up. It's true. Um, there's greater likelihood. Now, you can talk about the reasons, but there's a greater likelihood that your typical black male between the ages of 18 and 25 has been arrested than your typical white male. Um, I don't know what the difference is, but it's uh, it's noticeable, and you can actually track it, and it's there. Um, now, if the criminal justice system is abusive, and at times it totally is, like what we're seeing right now with Donald Trump, uh, you can imagine that that just might, as these guys said, you know, the mugshot, you know, like they, they can relate and they can, they can relate to somebody and they can see it. They can smell it. They know that this is unjust. May have happened to friends and family. Who knows? But there's something about this that is, yes, enhancing, uh, his stature across the board. Name any community. Uh, it's going up. His, uh, the appreciation for Trump and wow. He's still standing after all of this stuff, you know, and what is it? 60 points, 60 points. Hey, was so Trump was. Oh, sit in friends. Donald Trump showing up on the radio. I love it. Let's see here. Um, he, uh, he said something about well, we said a bunch of stuff about a lot of stuff. Uh, let's first. Uh, well, how's he doing in the polls? Cut 11, please. Cut 11. And, you know, we've taken a lead in that. Thing. I don't want to say anything's over because I don't say that. I'm not a believer until it's over, right? As Yogi would say, ain't over till it's over. But uh, it was uh, the lead. I, I think I'm 50 points up now on the sanctimonious, and I think he could end up going to third and fourth. The guy's got no personality. All right. When was this? This morning? I mean, some of that's, I think he's like 60 points up. He's 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 60 points up. Uh, I'm going to try one more. Um, oh yeah, cut 13. Republicans, watch out for Republicans. Cut 13. 
Well, we were looking for the next Abraham Lincoln. We didn't see it. Okay? We didn't see it. But look, some of them are friends of mine. Actually, some of them called, a number of them called and almost virtually asked my permission, which I respect. And I said, Ron, go ahead. The more the merrier. What difference does it make? Well, there are some people who should not have run. Um, I think you can make that case about Ron DeSantis and certainly Nikki Haley. I'm going to find this. I got Nikki Haley uh, pledging, just promising out loud that she would not run um, ever against President Trump. She vowed that in 2017, right? No, I'm sorry, 2021. Hey, the uh, Kathy Hochul number, this is probably a bust. I already checked it. It's like straight to... uh you know, consumer services voicemail, all right? But if you want it, and anybody can find this number, it's no great research, but 518-474-8390, 518-474-8390 for that dingbat governor has not a clue. Gosh, I wonder if those hipsters in Brooklyn really feel good about having voted for uh, her. Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin would have been magnificent, magnificent. A guy... Stir things up, you know, a breath of fresh air. You know why Kathy Hochul uh, was the lieutenant governor, all right? I mean, Cuomo fell for that whole thing. Um, it's kind of true in politics almost across the board. There are some exceptions, but uh, a lot of guys, they don't look for an exceptional person to be their deputy. They want somebody exceptionally average, exceptionally non-threatening. And, and that was Kathy Hochul, who spent most of her time uh, tending to her husband's uh, business interests and uh, the beauty parlor, of course. Do they call it the beauty parlor? They should. I think it's perfect. Can you see her under one of those big hair dryer things, you know, and they stand, spend three hours in there talking? And, uh, do they have those big hair, hair dryers anymore? Hard to find. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So this is uh, some song. Walking on the sun. Smash Mouth. Sounds vaguely familiar. No, it doesn't sound familiar at all. But that doesn't mean anything. I uh, I stopped growing musically a long time ago. But uh, the founding member of Smash Mouth, that's the name of the band, Steve Harwell, dies at the age of 56 at his home in uh, Boise, Idaho. Uh, sorry to hear that. Uh, again, I'm not familiar, but that doesn't really mean anything. I'm not trying to, you know, I mean, there are a lot of famous people out there. We can't keep up with them all. It's not like the old days. Um, but doesn't it seem like a lot of people are dying? A lot of people. I know death is a part of life and everybody is going to die someday. They used to say these things come in threes, but now it's like three a day. I don't know. It just, you open up that obituary. Quite frankly, it reminds me, in the 80s, in the 80s, you know, like, you started to see it, and the obituaries were just full of these names, these, you know, like, wait a second, that person shouldn't be dead yet, and this person has a long, it was, quite frankly, AIDS. And uh, this is kind of reminiscent of that. 
uh, with all these deaths. And, you know, even people, you know, dying at the age of 70. Hey, did you see Dr. Max Gomez from Channel 2? A fixture of New York for uh, many, many years. Uh, dead pancreatic cancer, they said. Um, Governor Bill Richardson. Remember that guy? Uh, he, uh, he, a decent man. I met him a couple of times. I liked him. He was a congressman. He was a governor, secretary of energy under Bill Clinton. And his big specialty was going to, uh, hot spots like Syria, getting, um, hostages released. And he did it, quite frankly, with some expertise and skill, um, that Jesse Jackson totally lacked. All right. This guy was a heavy hitter. And, you know, it was, it didn't look, he wasn't, he didn't show up to shake people down and, that, of course, very much Jesse Jackson's M.O. Um, I don't know. I'm a little bit uh, concerned. Is it the vaccine? Is it COVID? Is it? Well, it's not COVID. And you know what? Do me a favor. Stop with the COVID. We're going to have another. They're going to try to freak us out all over again over COVID. Does it have something to do with the upcoming election, which is basically here? You know, it seems like it's a long way off. Yeah, November of next year. That's, uh, well... In less than four months is the Iowa caucus. Uh, that is, this is it. This is full time. This is, it's in full swing right now. Um, anything can happen in politics, but it looks like Trump has this thing wrapped up. He certainly isn't taking his foot off the pedal, right? Uh, every day he's out there relentlessly pounding away at Biden, uh, promoting himself and also pointing out the corrupt government that we have now. I think he's, uh, you know, no one can accuse him of of not going for it. He's not mailing it in. He's not phoning it in. Uh, he's just he's everywhere all the time. And even though, I mean, I think he he hasn't. I haven't seen him on the road. Uh, I think he's at Bedminster, and he's going to be going down to Palm Beach in a couple of weeks. But no, he's he's done events. He's done a thousand times more events than than Biden. Uh, so look, I'm, uh, I'm for Trump. As you know, I like the style. I like the substance and the admiration. You know, I was talking to somebody today. If they really wanted to take Trump out, if they really wanted to take Trump out, one thing they could have done instead of indicting him like crazy is ignoring him. If they ignored him or not saying like put a blank, they kind of ignore him now. They don't let him speak. They don't let him go on any of the mainstream media shows. They'll cover his indictment like crazy. They'll show the trip every step of the way from Bedminster to Newark Airport, track the plane, arriving in Atlanta, showing up at the jail, right? Everything. And they'll have panel after panel and they're talking it to death. And the moment he goes in front of a microphone, <laughs> they all cut away. We'll we'll, uh, we'll 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 monitor. I mean, after all, he could engage in uh, what disinformation. Um, that is censorship. Uh, but if they, you know, in a way, Donald Trump has to not only run to win, but maybe to clear his name, right? I, I he doesn't in my book, but you know, after you've been kind of besmirched like this. You know, well, if you're going to try to ruin my life, well, um, you know, I think maybe, maybe it's part of it. Maybe, maybe this is part of it. He has to run. He's, he has to run to ensure his own freedom. If they really wanted him out, I don't know, but I know this, they're panicking because they never dreamt that you and me would still be supporting him and others, millions of others would still be supporting him after the indictments. They thought the Stormy Daniels thing with that creep Alvin Bragg you know, this guy Martinez can uh, assault per- a person in a drugstore and not be arrested. <laughs> and, and and look at what they've done to Trump. I mean, this is a society in a total freefall. 
I'm a little bit nervous. I really am kind of evaluating my options as far as the future. You know, do I want to stay in New York? Do I want to stay in the city, the belly of the beast? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. What do we, uh, uh, I'm in Florida right now, by the way, and Florida is very, very nice. Now, I did go to a mall the other day and I got, <laughs> I think I'll be ordering from Amazon from now on. I'm not going to any mall anytime, uh, ever again. I just felt like there was going to be a shooting. I just felt it just, it was edgy. It was weird and people were yelling at each other and America seems to be just a little bit on edge, right? Doesn't it? Hey, Anderson Cooper, nice guy. Um, you know, kind of boring, uh, but a nice guy. He's a perfectly adept uh, broadcast journalist. However, however, he's got Trump derangement syndrome, uh, like crazy and, um, you know, what's fashionable over there at CNN is very much left-wing stuff. So the New York Times today has a big story about Anderson Cooper's podcast. Now, this has got to be at least the 876th time they've done a profile on Anderson Cooper. <laughs> just, um, they just, I mean, like the usual suspects. And this story is all about Anderson Cooper's new podcast and how Anderson Cooper uses it to finally find time to grieve. It's all about grieving, grieving lost loved ones. And, yeah, you got to do some of that. Of course, grief. Grief is a part of life. Death is a part of life. I don't know. The fascinating thing to me is he's still talking about his brother. He lost his brother. His brother died when he was in his early 20s. Now, that's... Uh, 30 years ago, 35 years ago for Anderson Cooper. And I guess his dad died when he was a little bit younger. And, um, you know, that's sad, but these things happen. Everybody has lost somebody, and everybody will lose somebody. The thing about it is, I remember reading, back when we read magazines, Esquire magazine, and I was in the middle of Baghdad, and it was the summer of 2003. And quite frankly, it was uh, pretty hairy, all right? It was... Touch and go there for a little while. Uh, it was a fascinating time. This is after the invasion, after George W. Bush said, you know, this is a success. So I, 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 I was sent back to Baghdad to cover the occupation. And quite frankly, it felt like the occupation was more dangerous, more hazardous for me than the, um, than the actual invasion. And I'm reading a great big fat story in Esquire magazine about that Anderson Cooper wrote about his brother who died. And I'm like, and he's still coming to terms with it. At that point, let's see, it was 15 years ago he had died. And I'm like, damn, I don't know. And, and I, I actually liked Esquire magazine at the time. And I'm thinking about my own life story and the things that I have, uh, I've been in and witnessed and experienced. And I'm like, Quite frankly, it's a lot more interesting than Anderson Cooper's. And I actually, it gave me confidence. I started writing more. I started documenting more. And I got published the next year in the New York Times, back when we really kind of revered the New York Times. I'm like, okay, if Anderson Cooper can do it, uh, I can do it. And it actually helped me in a weird way. And he's still, you know, okay, I get it. Gloria Vanderbilt was his mother. We already knew that. We already were, remember those TV commercials where that, very stylish, 60-year-old lady was in the designer de- jeans commercials, and that's fantastic uh, for them. 
time in New York, New York Times. Are they going to do a profile on me? No. I wouldn't cooperate, quite frankly. I would not cooperate. I know exactly what they're going to do ahead of time. Just like this story. I can tell exact, very sympathetic with me. It would be very hostile. It it would bring up every bad thing. It probably mentioned stop and frisk. It would probably mention, not that stop and frisk was bad, but it was actually great. It saved lives. But they'd bring my father into it. They'd bring, uh, some stuff that I've been through over the years, and uh, I'm not going to lift a finger to help with that. They'll do it anyway, and it doesn't matter. These articles just just evaporate. You know, they just they just go away. And the only person who really remembers to the well, not really. I was going to say the person being written about, um, but even even they forget. Hey, the other thing, uh, Doctor Fauci's out there. Ah, this guy just can't keep his lies straight. So, uh, on the sheet here, we got Dr. Fauci. He's speaking to CNN and he's been all over the map on masks. You remember, you know, the, the mask will not stop a droplet. It may make you feel better, but it really will do very little. And then to the next slide, you must mask up in all public settings and even in your own home. And now, in a clever little deceptive way, he's acknowledging that there's no data to back up that masks work. You ready for this? This is Dr. Fauci over the weekend on uh, the Smirconish show. There's a guy over there named Smirconish. Go ahead and play that, please. Uh, Brett Stevens in The Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference, he told the journalist Mayan Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality surgical or cloth masks? Makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. The data are less strong. He always spoke in the most uh, obfuscating manner, right? He did not try to illuminate. He tried to confuse and smother and... Well, what he just said right there is uh, there's not any data that backs up on a wide uh, scale, and that's what you need data for. Otherwise, it's not data. It's anecdotes, right? It's little stories. You need data. And he says the data is not as strong. Well, <laughs> uh, what this guy said is actually they don't work. There's not one scintilla of evidence that the, the masks work. What did they do that for? I don't know. I don't know possibly to get us used to complying with the government, obeying the government. And there are some people out there who are so fanatical about it. You've seen them on social media or maybe you see them walking around the office. You know, they're still wearing masks. Sometimes they'll have a support Ukraine pin on. Um, They're just, I mean, somehow it's become supporting the government is the new hip thing to do. All those idiots who are out there at Woodstock, I shouldn't say idiots, but the people, the counterculture, right? Now, like the counterculturalists, the Antifa type, they're like 
militantly supporting the government and all this stuff that you cannot find in the good old United States Constitution. It's just not in there. Uh, you know, so I go to the January 6th report. Have you heard of Jeffrey Clark? Jeffrey Clark was a an administration official, Trump administration official in the Trump Justice Department. He believed that there was election fraud. Now, the Justice Department under Bill Barr, uh, they said that they investigated and they found nothing, right? So this guy, Jeffrey Clark, gets in touch with the president and says, you know what, I think there's fraud all over the place, and I want to help. So Trump is like, you know, that's great. We're going to make you the attorney general. We're going to make you the attorney general. Now, what happens? Well, the swamp totally freaks out. They lose their minds. You can't make him the attorney general. Why not? It's against regulations. What? It's against the rules. They didn't say against the law. They said it was against regulations. They said it's against regulations for this guy, Jeffrey Clark, to even be talking to the president. Well, you know what's against uh, the Constitution? In, in some ways, the Department of Justice. All right, You can't find a word in there about the Department of Justice. Donald Trump was fully within his rights. He could have fired every single one of those people and made this guy, or let him quit. Next time, he should let them all quit. The Department of Justice is the President of the United States. He is the executive branch. I learned this from Mark Levin, by the way, a great American. They already arrested um, Jeffrey Clark. He's coming back with a vengeance. I see him on Twitter shooting his mouth off just as he should, driving the left crazy, including that crazy Neil Katyal, who's on MSNBC, who showed up at Burning Man. You ever hear of Burning Man? It's like this great, big, crazy orgy in the desert. Uh, yeah, uh, we got a problem with Burning Man and Neil Katyal. Give me a moment, please. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, 800-848-9222, Labor Day, it's kind of wonderful. Also, the week before Labor Day, very, very light, you know, very, very light. Not many people uh, breaking too much of a sweat. I actually like all the holidays. I was kind of moaning about it a while ago. You know, what does it do to our GDP and everything like that? But uh, I will take them. In the meantime, uh, Charlie, Charlie in Westchester, hello. Hello, how you doing, Greg? I love you. I love your show, man. Listen, I am really worried. Tucker Carlson had something online about the moron in chief possibly putting American boots in Ukraine. Did you hear anything like that? Because when they're in trouble, all right, with ele- with election this tight, uh, usually they uh, try to make something happen like that. Now, if this happens, I mean. Forget about it. And also, I want to mention that the Chinese had an illegal lab in, China, in uh, California making COVID just in time for the election. Now, what do you think about that? And they're infecting mice with it. So that's why. I have yeah, to I know, so, man. Uh, so we already have U.S. troops actually in Europe who wouldn't be there if it wasn't for this Ukraine war backing up uh, other NATO troops that have been redeployed. So we're already feeling it that way. That's very interesting. It's uh, happened before. I'm trying to think where they actually pulled something like that, a great big military operation under the false uh, guise that it's going to help electorally. Uh, it's, you know, the rally around the troops and rally around the commander-in-chief and all that stuff. 
Uh, you know what? I don't think they have the nerve. I don't think, uh, you know, they're, they're bad guys, but I just don't think it's going to be, think about how, what's the word? Escalatory that would be. We don't want, we can't be fighting Russia. We cannot be fighting Russia. Hey, proxy war? All right. I've got my doubts about that one too. You see, they just got rid of the Ukraine defense minister. Why? Because he was pocketing all kinds of money. And Zelensky just might be doing the same thing, too. All right? I know he looks good in that uh, T-shirt and the sweatshirt. Hey, when's the next time Zelensky's going to have an election? When's he up for re-election? You know he suspended the election. You know, we're running around screaming about democracy. This guy suspended the election until the war's over. Maybe he doesn't want the war to end. You know? Isn't that possible? Democracy. Democracy, my foot, something... Something is rotten, all this money, and what do they have on Joe Biden? It's going to come out, man. It's going to come out. It's going to be that simple. Sometimes it's it's even more simple than you think. Alex, hello in Brooklyn. Yeah. Hey, Greg. Thanks for taking the call. And by the way, this war is helping Zelensky because it keeps his poll numbers up. Um, and I doubt that Joe Biden is going to send troops in there. We either cause a nuclear war with Russia or Putin would lose this war. But as the way it's rolling right now, the, the corrupt establishment and the corporations love this. They're shelling out billions of dollars worth of military equipment. The corporations are making a lot of money, and these corporations fund a lot of our politicians. Most you know what we don't have right another. now? Bullets. We're running out of ammunition. We're running out of missiles. We're running out of all the stuff. we got the hardware. We don't even have anything to shoot anymore. Uh, and our weak admirals and generals are going right along with it. I saw an admiral over the weekend reminding me he was speaking out in support of LGBTQ spoken word night on the aircraft carrier. Can you imagine that? LGBTQ night on the aircraft carrier. Anyway, final thought, Alex. Yeah, I wanted to say I think that Democrats don't know what's going to hit them in this election because the border, the open border, is going to play a big role in how Democrats are going to vote in this election because it's going to be the first time that Democratic voters have been affected by the open border because the migrants are now in Democratic states and cities. And I do find it hypocritical that you have a lot of Democratic voters here in New York that were 100% fine when the illegal immigrants were coming in here and they were in Republican states, border states in Texas and in other places. And they said, oh, you guys in Texas, you got to let them in here and you got to let them live in your cities because... These people in Mexico are, are in dire situations, but now they come here, they flip out, and they say, oh, get us, get them out of here. It's well, they're not the only ones flipping out, all right? Quite frankly, I'm flipping out. Maybe you're flipping out. Uh, there is a, a, an element of uh, hypocrisy, potentially. Hey, thank you, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Um, Burning Man. Ever hear some of your cool friends talking about Burning Man? It's this place that uh, it's in the desert out west. I have no idea what the hell really goes on there. Um, I do know that <laughs> they have tents where, you know, mm, uh, what's the word? What do the Romans call it? Orgies. All kinds of orgies occur out there. It's primarily some sort of music festival, and they have a bunch of um, DJs. What do they call it? EDM, ele- electro dance music. And at the end of this dumb thing, uh, they got tents, they got campers, all the girls, they dress in, um, well, they're very scantily clad. It's like the theme is always sexy, uh, person from another planet. They're always wearing this stuff. It's what, I mean, is it paganism? It's a little bit of paganism. Is that, is that a thing? I, it doesn't look, whatever it's going on. At the end of it, they literally burn a man, this great big, 
stick figure, and they set it on fire, and to try to give it some sort of, I don't know, some sort of emotional significance, um, the whole thing is silly. And drugs, I mean, it's like mandatory, right? Ecstasy and all that stuff, they're all on it out there. So it rained really bad, and people got stuck, and I think some people are still stranded. One of the jerks who went there was Neil Katyal, the former Solicitor General of the United States, basically the guy who would argue the federal government's position in front of the Supreme Court. And now he's um, he doesn't do that job anymore. He's a full-time Trump hater. And no matter what they give him on MSNBC, um, you know, he comes up with something, you know, another thing to screw Trump on. There's a picture of him at this thing. These kinds of pictures in the olden days would probably <laughs> make you unemployable, at least at the federal government. Uh, but he's wearing all this stuff that looks, well, satanic. I mean, this weird, uh, remember that idol that Greg found on the Brady Bunch in Hawaii in the cave? It, it's like that, but bigger and um, more evil. Very strange. And all this just junk all over his body. And to top it all off, he's got a one of those beanie hats with a propeller on it. You ever see that? Like they used to wear them in the 60s, I think. That guy on the Quisp cereal box has one of those things. It's a propeller on top of his hat. And this guy is uh, still still weighing in on all things Trump and all things oh insurrection. I'm a bit worried that they are they hate Trump that much and they don't love America enough. They're going to try to destroy it. The next thing on their agenda. And earlier I was saying like what what what, what could they do next? What, what what well here it is. They're going to have him kicked off the ballot in maybe 14 states where it says somewhere in state constitutions that if you took part in an insurrection, if you're guilty of insurrection, well, that means you're ineligible under the Constitution to be President of the United States, uh, 14th Amendment. Well, uh, it wasn't an insurrection, as you know, and also he's not even been charged with insurrection, but they have to make January 6th seem like the worst thing that ever happened right up there with 9-11, right up there with Pearl Harbor, Remember Kamala Harris? She said that. She actually came out. She said uh, December 7th, 1941, September 11, 2001, and January 6, 2021. These days, like equating them all, which is an insult to me, actually personally, I find that um, horrific. You know, we all know people who were lost on 9-11. I was right there uh, after the towers came down. About four hours later, I'm standing on the ch- corner of Church and Cortland Street, just as World Trade Center 7 came down, I saw human flesh on the ground. And for her to say this, thats it's so, I mean, evil. I just used the word evil. I think it's evil. And what what is evil? Well, I think communism is evil. It's a denial of humanity. And there's a very bright guy. His name is or was. He died a long time ago. He was a KGB operative, and he defects to the United States. His name is uh, Yuri Dobrenev, right? Yuri. And he came out and he kind of warned everybody about what it's going to look like when communists try to take over America. And the first phase is the demoralization phase. And it sounds like we're in that right now. Maybe it's the second phase. I'd like to, uh, again, his name is Yuri uh, Bromenev, former KGB And this is all the way back in like the 1960s. Listen to this for a little bit. Cut 21, please. Cut 21. 
demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result, the result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. Ecological shock when, when they will see in future what the, what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, obviously they will revolt. They, 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 will, uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated. These people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand, and uh, it will be the greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually it's overfulfilled. Most of it is done by Americans to America. mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. The situation is under control. The situation is not under control. Situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media, and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. The United States is in the state of war, undeclared total war. Hey, wow. And that's all the way, that's 50 years ago. And oh, by the way, it was in full swing right then. It's not like it just suddenly got bad. It was in full swing. Look at academia. Look at those nuts. Look at what they've done. The the, the crazy people who are on the, the lawn there in, in Woodstock, some of them became, you know, regular people, you know, worried about uh, a job and the future and mortgages and all that stuff. And others went into academia and uh, went to work corrupting uh, another generation. And that's where we are. i got to tell you, I don't know, Elon Musk, I really like him. I admire him. And thank God he's uh, one of the good guys. He is a force for good. What he's done to Twitter, what he's doing for space exploration, uh, just across the board. And he's not woke. He hates the woke ideology. And you see his own son or daughter or whatever has uh, renounced Elon Musk because Elon Musk is wealthy. And this uh, kid who's 16 years old doesn't believe in private wealth. It's all property of the state. And believes that there is more than one gender, more than two genders, right? And this is a transgender individual, and I think his name was, I don't know, he's transitioned. I don't remember if it was boy to girl or girl to boy, but uh, the transition happened or is happening in progress. 
And if it could happen to a guy like Elon Musk and his family, I mean, and all of the resources he had to provide the best of everything, it's a little bit scary. It should be uh, for the rest of us. Hey, you know these silly documentaries that are out there all the time saying so-and-so is innocent, uh, wrongly convicted. Well, that's become very fashionable. Um <laughs> And that our criminal justice system, well, it never, ever works. Only innocent people go to jail, right? No. Uh, <laughs> I hate it. I hate the idea of a innocent person being convicted of a crime, but it's incredibly rare. You turn on Netflix, you think that's all that happens. And a couple of years ago, there was this uh, big series on Netflix that I watched. It was called Making of a Murderer about this guy, Stephen Avery. I think he was up in Wisconsin. So... He's found, he was found guilty of rape and they sent him to jail. And apparently, no kidding, he was innocent and they let him out. Right? But after he gets out, he killed somebody. And I think it's pretty cut and dry that he killed somebody, but he talked to some sympathetic filmmakers and he convinced them that the only reason why they got him on murder is because they were upset that he got off of the previous charges. And they made this massive, massive film, like eight-part series, hours and hours. And I'm watching it. I'm like, wow, this guy seems innocent. Wow, this guy seems innocent. But it did occur to me, you know, they're only showing us literally the story they want to tell. They're not going to show anything else that might complicate the narrative. Well, you know who showed up? Uh, the Daily Wire. These guys are pretty good. I think this is this Ben Shapiro's or Tucker Carlson's outfit, uh, whatever. They're... They're good, and they got Candace Owens to do a documentary about all this, and this is like the making of a convict. And uh, the guy, I think they, they, they maintain, is genuinely guilty. I know it's not cool right now, but there are guilty people out there. Cut mm, 20, please. Cut 20. Cool music. This is a collect call from uh, Steve. an inmate at the Calumet County Jail. A man served 18 years of prison until DNA evidence cleared his name. The Two Rivers man was convicted of sexual assault in 1985, but exonerated with DNA evidence in 2003. So this is the infamous Avery Lott. Now, two years later, he again finds himself tied to a police investigation. Accused of murdering Teresa Holbuck on the Avery property. Stephen Avery's 16-year-old nephew admitted his involvement in the rape and murder of Teresa Holbuck. The car is discovered just around the bend. It was just this worldwide phenomenon. I think they framed this guy. I think he intended to crush the vehicle, but ran out of time. Avery thinks the $36 million lawsuit he filed is why he's being targeted in this investigation. 1021 Netflix made millions of dollars from making a murderer. But the filmmakers left out very important details. Mountains of evidence that you have not yet seen. The blood vial. The most egregious manipulation from the movie. Interrogations. So that's when he started beating me because I told him that he's sick. Cell phones. And I saw melted plastic parts of a cell phone. Interviews. Her arms were pinned behind her head. They made Stephen Avery look like a victim. You believe your brother's guilty? I don't know if I'm a suspect. I got on the I'm getting sick and tired of media deception. Evidence piling up. Why would they omit so many different things? Why are you editing my testimony? I am not going to make the same mistake 
that the filmmakers did. Rearranging the testimony, they delete a portion of it at the end. How could they claim to care about the truth? They all know that Stephen Avery committed this crime. Damn. Candace Owens busting mainstream uh, media myths. And boy, they love to portray cops as either corrupt or incompetent. Um, 99.9% of the time, they are heroes, absolute heroes, including the one in Ohio that was forced to shoot that woman who just shoplifted from that store. Did you see? She was driving a car. She was driving a car at that cop. And they're, they're saying that that was somehow unjustified. Well, if that's, un- I mean, <laughs> there was a car being driven at the cop. Why do they say that the shooting of Ashley Babbitt was totally fine? What was she coming at that cop with, huh? Nothing. Her 120-pound self, and it wasn't even headed the cop's direction. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, we're back. I'm not back. I'm still in Florida, coming back tonight on JetBlue. Uh, like that airline. Again, I hope they take my recommendation. I know I'm going to enjoy the little snack they give me tonight, but I don't think it's necessary. I think that that big cart that they got to use and nobody can get up to go to the bathroom and uh, while that cart is in session or in use, uh, why do they do that? Totally unnecessary in my, or just hand it to us on the way into the plane. You don't have to serve it. It's just a lot. And I feel like the flight attendant has better things to do, right? I don't think that they should be doing that. Uh, opening opening soda for us, all right? Can't we do that on our own? I mean, I like, hey, I like to be waited on hand and foot on certain occasions, but I don't think that's one of them. Uh, James Flippin, hey, are Greg. you there? I'm here. Hey, uh, how are you? What's going on? I'm good. Uh, I'm, I'm I, hot. We have the Florida like weather up here in in New York, apparently. How hot? Uh, let's see. What is it right now? Like 88 degrees or something yeah, like that? It's yeah, stuffy. same thing here. So look. Uh, Am I wrong about the airline? You don't really no. travel much. You go to Jersey Shore <laughs> and you think you're on vacation. You go to, but I mean, like, well, well, I mean, I was on a long flight coming back from Honolulu in April. And? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that cart stinks. Uh, well, then again, you do want some sustenance on a flight from Honolulu. Yeah, but, it, if it's but nonstop. But to your point, like, how hard is it to just give somebody a drink and a bag of chips? Like, you don't need a big contraption. To well, do I want, if I'm flying from Honolulu, I need a meal. Yeah, we did get a meal. It wasn't good. I'll tell you that much. Uh, what airline? Hawaiian Air. Hawaiian Airlines. Hawaiian Airlines. Isn't that the airline where the roof ripped off one year? Wasn't that the airline? I think it was. It's a long time ago. But the roof, the roof of the plane just tore right up. Uh, this used to happen. Flying planes, flying in aviation, flying airliners, that used to be like, you know, people would buy insurance before they got on the plane. It's much safer now. Yeah, However, I'm looking it up here. It looks like it was in 1988, and yeah, routine takeoff and ascent. The aircraft, uh, the roof ruptured with a whooshing sound, and they have a picture of it. The whole roof just kind of came ripping off, at least half of it. I told you. Wow. I could, um, 1988, huh? Yeah, I remember that, and just kind of came off. And then that was, and it was, was it in Hawaii? Mm, it was, yes. And come to think of it, I don't know what it is about Hawaii. Look this up if you could. United Airlines, a great big chunk of the wall came off a 747, which I believe was either landing or taking off from United. Look that up. A great big 
like is a huge like a, like 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 an like I don't know. Yeah, that was a year later, 1989. Jeez, it was you're, in like, you're like a savant when it comes to these. Uh, actually, that was from Sydney. Well, yeah, intermediate stops at Honolulu. It was yeah. from Sydney to Auckland, New Zealand. And it was a 747, right? It was. Yeah, I remember. Cargo that. door failure. These things used to happen. They don't happen anymore. Explosive Although decompression. I'm, well, I'm ready to go if something does happen. I will. I, I seriously, I, I feel like I could help uh, the pilots if they needed it. Um, all right. Oops. There's the music. James, would you stick around because we need some local? I'd be happy to. Let's do it. All right. All right, and let's see if we can come up with some more neat plane crashes from a long time ago. (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't think anybody died in those mishaps, and that's good. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. By the way, the reason I'm here today just for one day, I know I'm on vacation I'm not. I have no home to go to. The Secret Service has torn my house up in a good way to make it secure. So I have no place to go when I come to Delaware except here right now. I'm only here for one day. Are you homeless? No, I'm not homeless. I just have one home. I have a beautiful home. But I, I'm down here for the day because I can't go home home. Can't go home home. Uh, he's in Delaware and he can't go any. Like he's trying to say he's working. Look at him. He's working. He's trying to compensate for... Uh, the weeks on end he spent at the beach, he spent at this beach, at that beach. He's, he's not a worker, you know, and this is a country, this is a country that works and, uh, we can see it. We don't respect it. And he's feeling, uh, a little bit sensitive about it. What do they say? They're tearing down my house. They're gonna, they're, they're tearing up my house to improve the security. Well, I don't think he's gonna be needing, uh, I don't think, well, I guess he will be. You get Secret Service protection after you leave office, but I believe that's going to be, uh, relatively soon. James Flippin, um, you still there, man? Still here. Good. Um, pretty cool about those plane crashes. Uh, we were talking about some there? of them in, during the break, uh, like that one that happened literally almost a month after 9-11 out in Bell Harbor. Oh, yeah, it was on its way to the Dominican Republic. Right. Yeah, and then there's a plane crash down in New Jersey over the weekend that actually sparked a wildfire that they're fighting right now. Because I know last week we talked about a helicopter crash in New Jersey. This was a plane crash. You know what? Maybe you've seen this one. It's in the post. It's really, it's sad. It's, it's bad. It's, there's a celebration, a backyard party in Mexico and it's a gender reveal party. Mm -hmm. And you know, because of Instagram, everyone's trying to outdo each other with gender reveal. Yeah, those are big. It's a girl. Right. So they arrange for a crop duster to fly over the backyard. And drop pink fertilizer or pink dust to signify it's a girl. And they got the couple and they're right, you know, they're right by a bunch of balloons and they're waiting for the big moment, the reveal. And the reveal is going to be the pilot letting go of the, of the pink smoke as opposed to blue smoke. And nobody mm-hmm. knows what's going to happen. All of a sudden this plane appears and drops the pink stuff. And then he pulls up and his wing snaps off the plane. Yikes. His yeah, I see that here. Right off the plane. And then he crashes, like, and and the funny thing, well, not the funny thing, but the, I mean, just adding just the chaos of the moment. Actually, nobody even knew that the guy had a problem. They were all like, "Oh, it's pink! It's a girl!" And everybody was freaking out about that. Nobody really noticed that the wing fell off the plane and crashed like a hundred yards away. The pilot's dead, 
and you know these silly stunts that people come up with for TikTok videos, for Instagram, you know whatever happening happened to just telling everybody or handing out a cigar, you know it's a girl. Um, that's that's a more dignified approach. I'm a very I'm 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 I don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. I don't think I ever did. I don't want to incur any risk that's unnecessary, and that is totally unnecessary. Thank God it didn't crash into the backyard. Mm. All right, so what are you looking at up there, man? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, we have the West Indian Day Parade today. In, oh, uh, my goodness Brooklyn. gracious. Somebody always gets knifed. Yeah, believe it or not, they're actually saying it was the safest juve in history, which is ju- juve is the one that's overnight into the West Indian Day Parade actually starts at 11 a.m., but the overnight festival is where it's usually pretty chaotic well, and dangerous. I mean, they went by safest. What do they mean? Like, you know, like, I mean, so uh, far like we're fewer not hearing... stabbings. I mean, fewer shootings. <laughs> I like mean, what? so far we're not hearing of anything of that nature, really, which seems amazing. But I mean, I guess it's possible those reports just haven't made their way our our desk yet. But... Yeah, stay tuned. All right, uh, stay tuned. I noticed like the media is off today, right? I mean, I, <laughs> like all the systems. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I was there for that parade once. So, whoo. Got pretty intense. Now, some people are there to have a great time. Unfortunately, it's ruined by uh, certain people who are always trying to, you know, cause trouble. And uh, they show up every year. I do actually see this from the New York Post. They just put out a tweet about five minutes ago saying that there were five people busted for guns, but no shootings or stabbings. Oh, you got to have a gun at the parade, right? I mean, yeah, I guess at the West. Well, I I take that back. I mean, look, it's my constitutional right to bring a gun anywhere I go. That's true. And uh, but I have a sneaking suspicion that these guns were not uh, appropriately registered. But I know and cops said that they took five guns off people like ahead of time. So I don't know exactly when those arrests were. Um, they credited what they call their violence interrupters, who are like people that are kind of liaisons with the police. All right, this is a, this is a phony baloney publicity stunt. All right, those violence interrupters are a total scam. All right, they hand out T-shirts. And they call themselves violent interrupters, and then they go out and commit violence. All right, some of them. I mean, it's just it's it's so. You know, I know there are some people who are really trying to make a difference, but I'm sorry, it doesn't make a difference. And they've been talking about, you know, these. Uh, you know, the, the, you heard about this in the '90s. You know, what do they call it? Midnight basketball and all mm-hmm. these initiatives. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you know, it works. Pro, uh, a, a proactive, aggressive law enforcement. All right, that's what works. Uh, what else? Uh, let's see. Well, we've been talking a lot. This is not necessarily a local story, but there's a lot of stuff going on with like, you know, deaths in music right now. Cause Jimmy Buffett over the weekend and then Steve Harwell, the lead singer of Smash Mouth, who, um, it sadly sounds like he kind of drank himself to death. Uh, Why do you say that? Well, his, his publicist said that he, he was dealing with liver failure and that it had been brought on by a lifetime of, you know, alcohol abuse. He was only 56 years old and he left the band in 2021. I remember reading stories about him kind of just, more or less, you know, freezing up on stage and not being able to, to sing and, you know, losing his words and that kind of stuff. So what he, instrument did he play? What was this thing? Was he the, well, lead, he was the lead vocalist? I'm not sure if he actually played a instrument or not. He was the lead vocalist. He was the front man. Yeah. Wow. I got to tell you, I don't understand that. I mean, uh, the, I mean, I, I do look, anybody can fall prey to alcohol. It happened to me, but, uh, I am sometimes surprised that performers who get you would imagine such a rush out of being on stage. Then again, it gets boring. I've heard this too. It gets boring. The same song every single day. Mm. You know, it gets boring. What do we know about Jimmy Buffett? Uh, they're saying that he, he was battling cancer before he died, actually. Well, 76. That also seems young. Uh, I never met him. I saw him once at a, and I saw him play 
at a memorial ceremony for Walter Cronkite, of all people. He was good friends with Walter Cronkite. Hmm. Um, all right. S- and anybody else die that I need cancer. to know? In terms of deaths, to anybody that I need to tell you about? No, I don't necessarily think so. Uh, a more positive story on the music side is that Rolling Stones is coming out with a new album, apparently. Do we really want to hear the new album? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, you know, I want to hear Painted Black mm-hmm. and Satisfaction, and then I want to change the radio station. I don't want to listen to them. I don't want to hear a new album. Nobody does. Yeah. It's I the think... first album in how long? Jeez, I, I, I have to look that up because I don't know. Uh, let's see here. The Stones' new album, first time in nearly 20 years. Nobody remembers the other album either. Their the first album, album since 2005 The only albums bigger we bang. remember are the ones with the big tongue on the front mm-hmm. and the other one with the zipper. Remember? There was an album cover with a zipper. Oh, maybe that was Led Zeppelin or Foreign. Sticky Finger, Rich Rich Radabali is telling me. Yeah. Sticky Finger. All right. Anything else I should know? Uh, Let's see. I mean, I like you said, it seems like it's kind of, generally speaking, knock on wood, kind of quiet around New York right now. The... uh. LIRR's schedule changes tomorrow, ferry raises for Staten Island ferry workers. So, Oh, there's a poll that says a majority of Americans think President Biden's too old to run for another term. That's per the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, yeah we've seen both. Uh, how are things in the station? Everything's, like I said, kind of quiet right now. You know, I mean, Diego's waving at me right now. He's saying what's up. It's it's looking very overcast outside, and the wind's picking up a little bit. So um, maybe we'll get some rain, and it'll break some of the heat up here in, in the city. But Anybody talking about me? Oh, all the time. We always just, you know, glowing, glowing reviews of your, your monologues, your opinions, you know, the, all that, all that stuff. Seriously? <laughs> I mean, I tend to think that what you were talking about with, um, you know, the plane, like I said, I totally agree. I think we need to get rid of that stupid cart. I was, I was nodding my head as you were talking about that. Um, how's Bob Brown? And Rich is still talking about the Rolling Stones. Okay. Right. <laughs> well, James, um, excellent stuff, and um, I'm looking forward to getting back to New York. Yeah, but enjoy right? your time down there. Yeah, it doesn't feel like I miss much, right? No. You know, again, it's it's just a slow – I feel like now we're getting into that week where, you know, school comes back and things kind of get into the swing of things again until maybe, I guess, I don't know, the holidays. You know, we kind of enter that more normal fall period here. So. You know when my daughter goes back to nursery school? September 18th. Oh, wow. Okay. So you still got some time here. <laughs> For us, it was the Wednesday after Labor Day and, uh, you got that Tuesday off, which was kind of, which is kind of sweet. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. Talk to you soon. You bet. You bet. And I do, uh, you know what will be, uh, this time next month. No, I shouldn't say that, but by the end of the year, Mike Pence will no longer be running for president because this January 6th stuff is about to catch up to him. Uh, the idea that he was some sort of a hero on, on January 6th. That's a, that's what the, the fake news pushes. And they, they invite him on to their shows. They lull him into thinking that they're going to be friendly to him. But the thing he's never going to be able to explain is what he said on January 4th. If he said what he said on January 4th and he meant it, well, he should have said he was misleading us is what I'm trying to say. Cut 15, please. This is Mike Pence misleading America. You know, I know we all, we all got our doubts about the last election. And I want to assure you, I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities. And I promise you, come this Wednesday, we'll have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections. We'll hear the evidence. But tomorrow is Georgia's day.
All right, so we'll hear the evidence. I have my doubts about the election. So he was giving a great big signal to MAGA that on January 6th, he agreed with many of us that under the Constitution, we thought he had the authority uh, to turn those electoral votes back to certain state capitals to make sure that everything was okay. Elections are primarily run by the states. And yes, under the Constitution, it says that his job is to count the votes. But as he's counting them, and if he notices problems with the votes he's counting, is he supposed to just continue counting? You can have that debate. I believe he had an obligation to turn the votes back. Um, it was fine. It could be fine if he disagreed. But the problem is he should have said right off the bat, I disagree with that. Instead, he jerked everybody around, President Trump, me, you, MAGA. He uh, tried to convey that somehow he was on the fence about all this when he wasn't. He wasn't. And on January 6th, he spends all morning writing up a statement justifying his his inaction to President Trump. If it was so obvious, why couldn't he have said so uh, weeks ahead of time? He could have. Instead, kind of held us all in suspense. A lot of people wouldn't have shown up if they knew it was a fait accompli. If if if, if all Pence was going to do is rubber stamp it, even Judge Ludig, the most annoying judge in the world, Judge Ludig, gosh, he's going to be famous this year. He was famous a little while ago. He's going to be famous all again, thanks to me. I'm going to help. Even he said that under Article Two, uh, Vice President Pence. It wasn't his only option to just count the votes. There were other things he could, he could have done. All right. So where does that leave us? Uh, Vivek Ramatswamy is still very hot. All the other candidates are falling away. Um, other than President Trump, President Trump still dominates. Uh, Joe Biden is in a, another just a lost cause. So I am hearing, you hear the name more and more Gavin Newsom. Not going to work out that way, okay? It's going to be Michelle, Michelle Obama. I am more convinced than ever before. They know Joe is done. They also know that Gavin Newsom, while slim and trim and a great big head of hair, and he's okay at talking, we're not sure if he can really debate. We haven't seen him in a competitive debate in a very long time. He never really had to run. As far as I know, in a competitive election, except maybe the primary San Francisco mayor a million years ago, um, career politician, pretty boy, America has moved way past that, and he's got a big problem. It's called California. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, let's try Alina in Teaneck. Hi. Hi, Greg. Thank you for taking my call. I have a very special question. Uh. You, um, previously in, in the uh, broadcast, you had talked about this, uh, gentleman, Yuri. He's an ex-KGB agent. I don't even know if that exists as an ex-KGB agent, but he talked about the, um, moral demoralization of America and actually destroying America from within. I didn't catch his last name. Can you let us know, please? Uh, let me think here. Uh, Yuri is his first name. Bezmanov. B-E-Z-M-E-N-O-V. Bezmanov. 
Got it? Thank you. I got it. Thank you so much. That was such a great piece you put on there. Yeah, it's interesting, right? That guy is, uh, wow, you know, it's haunting. And it's many, many years ago where he was saying this stuff. Uh, thank you very much. Alina, wonderful name, by the way. Uh, let's go to, uh, let's see here. Sorry about this. Why don't we try Pardonnez-moi. Jerry, uh, where are you? Uh, New Jersey. What's up? Well, Greg, we know that they made the Democratic Party and a lot of people in the Democratic Party, news members, FBI, DOJ, all of them, they've made false frame-up accusations against Trump since 2016. And they're continuing to do it. Now, in addition hey, I'm to I'm sorry, that, when you say they, who? I agree, well, but the, wait, the, I just want to... Dean, n- who? The DNC and all the usual people that we know in the FBI. We don't really have to get the specific names. I'd rather not name all the people, but... Just we know the top 20 people that have been involved in what I would call sedition. Uh, Rico charges should be put against the DNC is my point. And it should be also against all the people that are involved, the big players. We know all the names of them. I well, love, I want to say this. Uh, the DNC, as uh, corrupt and nasty as they are, you know, you're allowed to say uh, nasty things and you're allowed to lie. You are. uh I don't know if the DNC, if it's if they're indictable. I think James Comey is indictable. I think Clapper is indictable. I think, uh, 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 let's see here, Strzok, Page, all those people who came up with. I mean, look at all the names mentioned in the uh, Durham report. All right, uh, and and actually break out the the Mueller report. Uh, all the people who cooperated with that, um, you know, they were willing. Uh, I, 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 look, I don't like the Rico thing. All right. I really, I don't. It doesn't, it doesn't apply, um, to obviously the Republicans. I, I think it doesn't apply. Maybe, maybe, but I'm not going to say the DNC. You have the right to do those horrible things, unfortunately. But when you're a sworn officer of, uh, the federal government, you don't. And that's where you break the law big time, in my opinion. Anyway, man, Jerry, thank you. Uh, Bob. Greg, real quick. You're talking about COVID. Only criminals wear masks. Every time I see them in the store, I kind of reach down and make sure my pistol's in my pocket. Then you got, you're picking on poor Elon Musk. I'm not picking he, on him. I like that guy. They are, but he is a truly successful African American. Well, you're being cute now. I mean, he's not black. He's from South Africa. I get it, African-American, but, you know, whatever. Hey, listen, uh, Bob, um, just because you see somebody in a mask, you know, you're not going for your gun right away, right? No, it's here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, I, I agree with you, though. Uh, mass uh, criminals, uh, you know, what? A, just look throughout history. The mass men. Who who robbed the train? Mass men. Um when I see a mask, I get a little bit nervous, too. I, I do, actually, at the drugstore or whatever. Why the hell are you wearing that mask? Uh, maybe because you don't want to be identified. Maybe because you're up to no good. And is it Barbara time? I think it is. Barbara, hello. How are you? Hi. Well, thank you, Greg. I'm well. Hi. Um, today you were talking about the crime, the the shoplifting and the other crimes that we see in this country that are not prosecuted and are led to run amok. And we know that 
you, as you said, we are a country in decline. We are a civilization in decline. And we would do well to look back at what happened to Rome. This happens to be the day, September 4th, 476 A.D., the official fall of Rome. And we would do well to look back and learn from that because we know those who will not learn from history are doomed to repeat its mistakes. And that's a quote from Chris Ann Hall, that we will repeat the mistakes. So when we look at the situation in Rome, it took about 200 years for Rome to deteriorate. It was a powerful, powerful empire for 1,100 years. But the last 200 years, Rome was overrun with illegal immigrants. They first assimilated, and many of them worked as servants, but eventually they came so fast that they didn't even learn the Latin language. Rome had a trade deficit. It had um, extensive welfare. Rome provided its citizens with free bread to the point where one Roman commented, those who live at the expense of the public funds are more numerous than those who provide them. Also, the Roman tax collectors were considered to be more terrible than the enemy. Wow. Rome was in debt with huge government bureaucracies. We don't want to be like the Romans. How about that? September 4th, many, many years ago, this day in history. Hey, Rudy is next, everybody. Have a great Labor Day. What's left? Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.